I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight, updating the NHL scoreboard early in the third. New Jersey leading Philadelphia 4-1. After the first, Chicago leads Florida 2-zip. Just at the start of the second period, about a minute in, Nashville up 1-0 on Detroit. Granlund has the goal in that game. Late in the first period, Dallas leading Tampa Bay. One nothing, Arizona and Colorado later on tonight. They start in about an hour. All right, I'm going to bring Bob Stoffer onto the show here. Bob, I just started because I've been looking at the schedules for mostly Montreal and Edmonton. And then during a couple commercial breaks during the show, I thought to myself, am I doing this right? Am I thinking about this too, too simply? And here's what I'm wondering, Bob. The Oilers are out east. Flying home and flying back, you know, tomorrow and then Friday does not make a lot of sense. Also, sitting in a hotel in Montreal and paying for the hotel for several days before Saturday isn't ideal either. And I'm, I am wondering, okay, I'm just going to throw something at you, Bob. Right now, Toronto and Ottawa are scheduled to play each other on Thursday. What if Edmonton played Ottawa that day instead and got a game in and then it's easier to reschedule possibly a Toronto Ottawa game later on in the year. And then Ottawa has one fewer game to make up. And the next time the Oilers go to the Mon- Montreal Ottawa, that's when they play Montreal twice instead of Ottawa twice. You follow what I'm saying? Like the Oilers could play a game before Saturday. Uh, they could, uh, you know, I'd say the one thing that we've learned this year, Reed, is that uh, never discount any possibility as to to how things can occur. I mean, I'm going to just throw a question at you: How many current members of the Anaheim Ducks are on the NHL's COVID protocol list? Oh, I got the well. I'm going to cheat because I got the list open from earlier today. Uh, it's up to four. NBC is already promoting their game tomorrow against Anaheim. Montreal's got two players on the list, and the Canadians have already been shut down for a week. So obviously they feel, uh, if I'm reading between the lines, there's concern that they think they might have some spread with uh, Montreal. I mean, that can be the only justification for for why, uh, you know, there was no additional players added. And I'm looking, I mean, let's put it this way. These are confusing times. Uh, We don't know... You know, the NHL is doing the best they can in the situation, and, and I would not discount any uh, suggestion. Uh, what, what you say kind of makes a little bit of sense here. Um, the bottom line is the Oilers have six games left against the Canadians this year. They're going to have to find a way to make up three of them that were supposed to take this place this week. What you suggested, maybe maybe that does occur. Um Time, I guess time will tell in that regard. It's, uh, it's. I would say that if they were going to play Thursday, it's Tuesday now. I'm just mm-hmm. wondering. I'm just wondering from a scheduling perspective for television and radio. I would have thought we already would have heard if that if that would have occurred if they did the double flip. So, but it there is some merit and logic to it, and perhaps Reed, you're in the wrong field. Maybe you should be working for the NHL and scheduling. 
See, Bob, this isn't supposed to be a comedy segment. Reed, anyway. I got I got news for you. With your show, a lot of it is a comedy segment. So, no, I, I like you know that's I I, I got to tell you, Reed, I like people that come up with suggestions uh, in, instead of people that just sit there and moan and whine about every situation and don't have any uh, any solutions as to how to improve. You're you're coming up with a very rational solution. You're saying. You know, because as you know, the Oilers were supposed to go back in Ottawa and play two games there and there and wrap up their Ottawa schedule, uh, I think, in about two to three weeks from now. And you're saying, well, only play one game there and go into Montreal, see if you can squeeze in another against the Canadians at that time. Which isn't easy to do because Montreal plays has a busy week then as well. But I'm just saying if you the easy way out is to move all three games and four for Montreal to the week of May 10th. The NHL doesn't want to have a lot of loose ends hang and delay yeah. that, d- delay the playoffs for one division or for even one series. So are there ways, and I know it's much easier said than done, to tinker with the schedule along the way? And r- so right now you could you could do something Thursday or Friday. They're not going to play tomorrow. I mean, obviously that's... Yes. But you could have them make a short trip to, say, Ottawa, possibly for a game on Thursday. So instead of playing the Leafs, Ottawa would play the Oilers, and then maybe because of travel, it's easier to reschedule a Leafs-Ottawa game. That's that's where I'm coming Yeah, from. I mean, Reed, that totally makes sense. And, uh, I mean, I will tell you right now, I'm of the belief that not every team in the league is going to get 56 games in. It just, it's going to be too problematic, even though there's increasing, I mean, it is entirely possible to in, in some of the states that the players will be vaccinated in some of the U.S. states. Uh, but, it, like, the, the, you know, we might have... Uh, you know, we've got 24 U.S. teams. We might have 16 of the 24 teams vaccinated by early May. That is a possibility. I mean, Arizona has opened up full vaccination for anybody over the age of 16. You can get vaccinated now. Uh, obviously, we're lack, uh, lagging considerably behind here. And uh, But I, I still don't think – I think it's going to be like baseball like where you're going to have an incomplete schedule with some of the teams and we're going to end up having to do points percentage. And you know what? They did points percentage last year. People forget the Oilers had the best points percentage uh, of the seven Canadian teams last season. And that's been part of the storyline in this 18 and seven run is the Oilers have kind of found their form here. And I think for a lot of fans, therein lies the frustration with what's occurred is they, they're not like the fans here. No, we have smart fans. Um, they're passionate about the team. They've supported the organization through some difficult times, and they can see the maturation and growth of the club. And so they want to, and they also knew that Montreal was down a couple key guys. And then suddenly it looked like they were going to be down a couple more key players. And so you wanted to capitalize on facing a Montreal Canadiens team that doesn't have Ben Sherratt and Tyler Toffoli. Mm-hmm. Uh, forget, forget about the two Finnish guys, I mean, that ended up uh, on the COVID protocol list. So, um, you know, and, and I'm going to be very intrigued to see how Edmonton responds coming out of this. And will a game on Saturday be the first one? Maybe. But you make a very intelligent point, which, uh, you know, does happen occasionally on this show. Very occasionally. But, 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 but I'm just saying, going off what the NHL has done with other games earlier this I mean, we've seen, like, you and I get the public relations press releases from the NHL where it'll be like, okay, Monday's game was postponed. And then it's like seven things that have changed as a result of one game. So, so they will, they will tinker. That's all I'm saying. I, and again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm guaranteeing anything or getting people's hopes up for a game before Saturday. But, but I think in this case, we can, we can speculate uh, a little bit. I, and I, to, to get back to what you're saying about the Oilers season being quite successful to this point, Bob, 
they like they got defensemen that are hitting the score sheet at, at a level that we have rarely seen in the last really 20 to 25 years. Nurse is already a career high in goals. And Tyson Berry, quite frankly, is I, I think he's better than advertised. And I had pretty high expectations for him. You know that I said the power play could be as good or better. I don't know if I'm going to be right. If I'm wrong, I'm fine because it's still in the high 20s right now. Like Barry, he's the right shot defenseman who chose Edmonton. Two things fans said, cynical ones, would never happen. They'll never get an offensive right shot defenseman and a high-end free agent will never choose Edmonton. Same guy did it. He's been outstanding. I would argue that they actually haven't even played one of their top six defensemen for the last several games. I, and I'm serious about that. I think Bouchard's better than Lagesson. I get it. They got Lagesson in a specified role. They don't like swapping a righty over for a lefty. Uh, I'm watching Ty Smith. Evan Bouchard has a higher ceiling as a defenseman than, than Ty Smith. Ty Smith's a real good player. Jerry Johansson out of represent, out of Edmonton represents Ty. Bouchard's, you know, Bouchard has a... The problem with Bouchard is he plays a bit like Larry Murphy did back in the day. And Larry Murphy was a guy that Maple Leaf fans ran out of Toronto after a 60-point season and a 39-partial par, uh, point season. And he ended up winning two Stanley Cups with Detroit at the end of his career and had a mammoth point-producing NHL career. So... Um, their D is good. I mean, Nurse has taken a substantial step forward. We've got a lot of people. That, again, we've got a lot of really engaged listeners to your show, to my show, to the post-game show. Some of them send me information on, you know, Tyson Berry's better than, uh, or sorry, uh, Evan, uh, uh, Ethan Bear is better than Tyson Berry in every 5v5 situation with McDavid, without McDavid, all those sort of things. Okay, the numbers may show some things. And the, the, one of the comments was the games are higher scoring when Barry's in. Uh, but in, in Bear's case, the, the margin is not as tight in terms of chances created versus chances given up. I, I disagree. I think Tyson Berry has given, uh, he's bred offensive confidence in, in Darnell Nurse. The power play. Did you really expect the power play to be better after it was the best power play in 40 years in the NHL last season at 29.5%? I didn't. But I will say this, Reed. If Oscar Clefbaum comes back, it might be hard to re-sign Tyson Berry. Just just in terms of, you know, because in theory, Clefbaum or Nurse could slide into a power play uh, role again next season. You do have a cheaper option in Ethan Bear. So the Oilers... Here's here's what I'd say to the listeners out there right now. I think we're seeing some progression and growth with this club. I, you know, as long as the goaltending doesn't absolutely fall apart down the stretch, and they're going to have three options here in another week. The goaltending's moved up to 11th in the league in save percentage. That's mm-hmm. incredible when you consider where they were to start the year through the first uh, 12 or 13 games of the year. They were like 23rd or 24th to start the season. Uh, so, you know, they've got 916 here save percentage rate over the last 25 games. Um and all of that said, they are going to finally have some financial wiggle room to address things like second line left wing and uh, perhaps getting a better starting goaltender next season. So these are intriguing times to see where this club can go between now and the end of this season and then carrying forward once they get some more cap space next year. See, the, the Clefbaum conundrum is an interesting one for me because he's he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. The surgery is... Well, it could have already happened. I don't think they've confirmed. No, no, it's no, no, no. Not. It's it's happening. Uh, I think Spec tweeted out today. I think it happens. Oh, tomorrow. sorry. In in the, it might happen tomorrow or the next day. I think it's the twenty fourth, okay, twenty fifth. Okay, so I mean, so six. It's it's less than six months till training camp already. I, I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but if you're talking about Barry's future, like Clefbaum is still going to be injured at the start of next season. 
And we don't, and, and, and again, from everything he said in his comments, we don't know if he's even going to want to continue with his NHL career. 100% fair on your part. 100%. There, there are people I would text right now and say, what are you talking about? Barry's better than Clefbaum. The Oilers have a, the Oilers defense, they're giving up less than they gave up a year ago. They got a lower goals against average uh, right now than they had last season. And they're creating more offense. And Barry's been part of the reason why that's happened. So, but it is a conundrum. You nailed it. Do you protect them? I don't know if you do. I don't think you do, to be frank with you. No, you can't. I don't think right? you do. Right. So, but but defense is going to be an interest. And, and again, I, I think the only way Bouchard plays right now is if one of Barry, Bear, or Larson gets hurt down the stretch. But at this stage, I just want Edmonton play, playing again. Now, the one thing it might help the team with is Yamamoto. Like, maybe in, in your world, maybe we they find a way to play Thursday. That's a good point by you against Ottawa. But if we don't play until Saturday, I think there's a chance Yamamoto will be ready to go against the Maple Leafs on Saturday night. Well, I would think so. Yeah, and I mean, you can tell Leon misses him five on five for sure. Okay, uh, I I did it today because we haven't did it in a while. It's even three questions. Quiz for Stoffer. You ready? Oh, oh. I know you love this. I know this is the only reason you come on the show. Uh, we got categories. And the, you can pick the order: NCAA tournament, goal scoring Oilers defenseman, and because his name randomly came up earlier on the show. Canadian comedy legend Howie Mandel. What category do you want? Can I not take Howie Mandel at all? No, you'll know the Howie Mandel answer. Okay, let's start with Howie Mandel. <laughs> Howie Mandel starred on what medical drama from 1982 to 1988? ER. Seen elsewhere. Pretty oh. good guess, though. It was one or the other. I'm not a uh, doctor. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. That was that was the greatest ad of all time. It was not uh, Howie Mandel. It was some guy off one of those soap operas. I don't know if I think it was a guy from General Hospital. To be, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV, and I strongly support uh, and endorse this product. You know, whatever it was. All right, next up, hey, Howie Mandel is funny. Him playing a doctor is funny to me. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Double A Tournament. Arkansas won back-to-back national titles in 94 and 95. Who was their head coach? Nolan Richardson. Absolutely. High-scoring Oilers defenseman. By the way, did you fill out any brackets this year? Do you do that sort of gambling? I have not filled out a bracket for NCAA football or NCAA basketball in, in, in at least a day. In the, when I used to bartend at most Sports Parlor on the south side, I was all over it. And, right, and that was right around the time that Nolan, that was when Nolan, that was 94, 95, 95, 96. Uh, no interest in the last several years. Just completely, just do not care about NCAA basketball anymore. Yeah, last 15 years it's dropped off for me. I still like watching the tournament and I still filled out a bracket, though I'm just kind of uh, picking I blind. Will- I will watch Duke and Kentucky to see, all right, which one of these kids is playing in the NBA next year. That's all. We're all five starters as Kentucky had that one. You didn't all five of them get drafted about uh, 10 years ago? And they're all like freshmen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, was that uh, Was that the John Wall year? It, yeah, it might have been John Wall. But, yeah, anyway, yeah. Okay, uh, which Oilers defenseman had back-to-back 15 goal seasons, 91-92 and 92-93? 
I'd have to think that was uh, Dave Manson. It absolutely was Dave Manson. Bob, you did outstanding. I'm even going to give you half a point for ER. You got two and a half out of three. Oh, uh, no, I got that one wrong. Uh, Reed, uh, let me tell you, I think that I'm going to reach out tonight to the National Hockey League to uh, Rick Mahar and suggest that they should maybe get Reed Wilkins involved in scheduling carrying forward. Well, thanks for that, but you're going you're gonna to get a quick no in reply, I'm sure. Actually, the reply is going to be, who? <laughs> thanks for coming on the Have show. Have some fun, Reed. See you later. <laughs> There we go. It's Bob Stoffer. Get a Oilers now, noon to two every day on 630 Chet. Knows his trivia, does very well, in the, and he does not get any lead up, any knowledge of the categories. I just throw him at him, and he rolls his eyes and usually answers correctly. 780-496-0063 if you want to get in touch on the CertainTeed hotline. CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials, pro all the way. Back after the break. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. New Jersey 4, Philadelphia 2, six and a half minutes to go. Give you the full scoreboard after the 7.30 news. Oilers games in Montreal Wednesday and Friday will not be played. No makeup dates announced. Uh, Bob and I were speculating, and I emphasize speculating, that if the Oilers are out east, could they play a game on Thursday? against uh, possibly the Ottawa Senators. That would make the most sense. And then the other things would have to be rejigged. Ottawa and Toronto right now scheduled to play each other on Thursday. But we've seen that the NHL doesn't want to push too many games back until after May 8th. And so then maybe the next time the Oilers travel east, they would play Montreal twice and Ottawa once. And then, you know, you start making up games that way. Just just speculating. Darnell Nurse earlier today saying that uh, this has all reinforced the importance of the NHL COVID protocols. Yeah, you can't take anything for granted. I think uh, that's how South's world is right now. Um, just because we we haven't had to deal with it here in the north doesn't mean that uh, we're we're uh, immune to it. Also, it uh, it's a good reminder that uh, what what we need to do to to keep uh, keep this thing rolling and and how you know how important all the details in the day to day you know and, and the people putting in the time to keep everyone safe how, how important it is to uh maintain those guidelines and uh ma- maintain that uh focus on on keeping this thing going i think uh like i said we, we've been doing a good time good job as a team and we need to continue to do that and i think that the, the division as a whole has been doing a great job so uh can't let uh, one thing derail it all right that's a little bit from darnell nurse more inside sports when we get back Let's update the NHL scoreboard. Two and a half minutes left in the third. New Jersey up 4-2 on Philadelphia. Late second period. Chicago leads Florida 3-1. Predators up 2-0 on the Wings. Early second period. Dallas with a 1-0 lead on the Lightning. Coming up a little bit later on, uh, starting in about half an hour, it's the Avalanche and the Coyotes. The Oilers games in Montreal Wednesday and Friday have been postponed. The Canadians also have Sunday's game against Ottawa postponed. They will reopen their facilities and practice on Monday. At least that's the plan right now. 
At the moment, the uh, next Oilers game is Saturday in Toronto, which would be on 6.30, Chad, with a 3.30 face-off show and uh, the game at 5. Bob and I were speculating that uh, while the Oilers are out there, could they uh, have them play a game against another Eastern opponent perhaps before Saturday? Um, Toronto and Ottawa do play each other on... Th- no, they only have the two games left against um, left against Toronto, so keep that in mind but the, uh, they still have a couple games left uh, against Ottawa as well. So, I mean, maybe they find them a game against the Senators while they're out there, and then they reschedule other games along the way too. The NHL has done that to accommodate changes to the schedule throughout this season. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm pleased to, to uh, welcome Mike Mitchell to the show. He's with uh, the XFL News Hub. Mike, thanks for coming on 630. Chad Edmonton, how are you doing, man? I'm doing very well. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, it is good to talk to you, and thanks for your reporting over the last two or three weeks. Uh, be- before we get to that, though, I, I want to get your story a little bit because, uh, uh, you know, you're-, you're very well informed. You're a very good writer. Uh, your Twitter account, one of the things uh, on your description of yourself is covering the XFL since 2001. And I saw that, and I said, well, wait a minute. What about all the years there wasn't an XFL? But uh, <laughs> t- tell me about your, uh, your your involvement here with the XFL and, and being around the league and perhaps following it even when they haven't played games. Yeah, I've been a football fan my whole life, as you have as well, and uh, covered and uh, written about uh, football in general since high school and college and, and played a little bit of it in high school as well. Um, as far as the... The NFL, CFL, I've always been a fan of the underdogs. So a lot of leagues like the USFL, the XFL, United Football League, and so many others that have come before and now. And I'm a CFL fan since back in the day. So I've always had um, an appreciation for uh, non-NFL leagues, even though I'm a huge NFL and college fan as well. And so I did cover the original XFL back in 2001 for XFLboard.com. And... That league came and went, but a lot of fond memories. And when the XFL was announced as returning back in 2018, I said, why don't I go on this ride again and this journey again? And with a lot of these leagues, there's a lot of heartache and heartbreak because the odds are heavily against them. So they're the ultimate underdog. And so um, I've been writing and covering uh, the XFL since the uh, the original and, of course, the most recent incarnation. And uh, up until this point now, where are we currently stand? So tell me, because, look, we know that going up against the NFL directly in the fall is insanity, even though there was a guy back in the 80s who wanted to do it. He went on to have a pretty important job for a few years. But Sure. Uh, in terms of springtime football, I mean, that's obviously when they have to try to do it, but how come a lot of those leagues have ultimately failed? And, you know, running a professional football league is very expensive. Um, it's, uh, it's different than, say, running minor league uh, operations. It costs a lot of money, large fields, large venues, paying players, coaches, everything else. And I think the USFL originally was onto something good in the spring, they were competing with the NFL for talent, which is crazy to think of all the great players they had back then, Doug Flutie, Herschel Walker, Richard White, among others. And, you know, a lot of these leagues, they just don't stand the test of time because they're not willing to absorb the financial losses that are necessary. You know, and a lot of people don't recall this, but in the early days of the NFL, there were quite a, there was a lot of struggles. The early days of the AFL, there were struggles financially. It took a while 
for a lot of these franchises to take hold and to have success. And I think there's a market. I think the current environment in 2021, because of the evolution of the quality of football players out there or globally and in the States, because there's so many good college football players, um, only 1.6% of all college football players make the National Football League. So when you think about that, there are a lot of quality football players uh, globally that don't get an opportunity to advance or continue their professional playing careers. And that's why a league like the CFL has always been great for those types of players and why leagues that have attempted to do so in the States, um, you know, produce quality football. The AAF produced quality football two years ago, and the XFL did as well. The most recent incarnation was a quality product. Okay, um, so tell me a little bit about your, sorry, where do you live again? Uh, I'm in between New York and Massachusetts. I'm originally a New Yorker, and I'm in Massachusetts now. Okay, so, and here's the thing I want to ask you, because, look, I I love the CFL. Our station broadcasts the, whatever they're going to be named in a few weeks here, the Edmonton football team. Let's go go Elk Towns. It, it could be. I don't know. It might just be elk. That's what I think it's going to be. But you, so you know, see, see, you're, you're, you know exactly what's going on here in Canada. I'm sure a lot of people are thinking you're like, well, like, wait a minute. How, how does this guy from the U.S. East Coast uh, know this much about the CFL? Like, just tell me a little bit more about what draws you into the league and how you're able to follow it. I don't know if you can watch games on TSN where you are or, or how yeah, you get TSN, the product. A little bit of ESPN, a little bit with streaming. Um, I'm a. CFL fan from back in the day. I was a big Doug Flutie fan. He was two of my favorite uh, pro football teams of all time of the New York Jets and the New Jersey Generals of the USFL. Doug Flutie, of course, played for the Generals and he played for the Argos. <laughs> Legendary run in the CFL. So um, I'm an Argos guy if I have to uh, swear allegiance to a CFL team. And so I've always appreciated the CFL game. Um, I've always appreciated the style of the CFL game. And, uh, and the quality of players that play in that league. So at over the years, from Warren Miller and everybody else. So, um, yeah, so that's, like I said, I'm someone who follows, like I was a big fan of the World League of American Football as well as NFL Europe. So I have an appreciation for these leagues. So that's, that's where my fandom lies. Right. Okay. Well, that's cool. Okay, Mike Mitchell joining us from the XFL News Hub. So give us your take on what, might happen here with this partnership between the XFL and the CFL? Sure. I, I think initially the conversations were pretty straightforward. It's, you know, this the XFL has an interest in working with the CFL, and there were may, three main questions they started off with. What can we do for each other? What do we want to build in the future? And how can we help each other do that? Um, and I think the XFL has... They haven't publicly said this, but if they put their 2022 season on hold because, quite specifically, because of these talks with the CFL. And I think it's important to note um, Redbird Capital Partners and their vast reach in the sporting world is growing as we speak. You know, they've been aggressively expanding its sport, its, their sports portfolio, which already includes, includes stakes in the Yes Network, Toulouse, uh, FC, One Team Collective, the Watchman Media Group, and recent reports have the Boston Red Sox majority owner John Henry agreeing to sell an 11% stake in the team's parent company to Redbird. So I think it's fair to say, and it's reasonable to assume, that the XFL's relationship with the Canadian Football League will entail Redbird taking some form of financial stake 
in the CFL. To what extent remains to be seen. On both ends, I can see why both leagues would want to partner up with one another from a financial standpoint and from the reach and appeal that Dwayne The Rock Johnson has, Danny Garcia's business acumen, obviously Redbird's power there. I think both leagues see an opportunity to grow together, to expand the business models and to um, and to, to basically grow in popularity and be, a strong, be stronger entities than they are right now. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because you know, as Canadians, we want to be Canadian, eh? So we, we want three downs, and we want the wide field, and we want the goalposts on the front of the end zone where they're supposed to be, right? <laughs> like, so the, the M word is merger. It's become a swear word. What do, you, what do you think about that possibility? It's difficult, because if these two leagues are, in fact, going to get married to one another, it's going to be difficult to rope in uh, all the in-laws, so to speak, and to make this marriage work. And the big M word is a scary one right now uh, for Canadians and for, even for the American supporters of the XFL. They're a little worried about the future of their league and what that's going to entail. You know, I think a lot of that has to be ironed out now. That's, you know, the, the two leagues are past the first couple of uh, introductory phases between one another. And a lot of it is talking about how they can make business and the football work. And so that's going to take time to figure that all out. I think... I can understand totally the CFL loyalists not wanting to part ways in a game. I can understand from the American side people be more accustomed with the four-down game. So, so it, it's it, it won't be easy to pull off. So, uh, you know, do they dip their toes in the water here with the merger and do some things together rather than going full scale and altering the entire style of, a, of an established league that's been around for a long time like the CFL has? It's going to be fascinating to see where these talks land eventually. Yeah, I just don't know how they pull that off, right? Because the XFL wants to play in the spring. Uh, they, you know, they don't want to go into the fall. The CFL still goes into the fall, even though we're, we're you know, we always talk about moving the Grey Cup forward a little bit. That's more weather related than competing sure. with the NFL. So that's the thing. I just don't know how. I just don't know when they play their games if they become one league. Yeah, that, that's difficult to figure out. You know, I. I you know, I wrote an article. It's more of a fantasy piece more than anything else of how a, a merger could work and how the two leagues could operate side by side. And it would certainly entail, you know, them operating together or side by side from April till at least maybe early September, which goes, which, you know, goes against a little bit of the American style league where you try not to interfere with the NFL or college football at all. That's the whole premise of spring pro football. It's to not get it in the States anyway. It's to not get in the way of the NFL and college football. So a lot of these particulars are going to have to be worked out and figured on both ends of the coin. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see where they eventually land. That's why there's a huge pause in the XFL's 2022 plan because of these talks. Because, you know, they're looking to do something big. Redbird Capital, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Danny Garcia, they're not looking to dip their toe in the water. Uh, so they're, they're looking to dive right in and do something on a global scale. Like they have a grand vision of what um, this working agreement can end up being. We'll see where they land. But it's going to be fascinating to see. It's going to be difficult to make everyone happy. We'll see if they can pull it off. All right. Hey, I, I got to ask you, uh, you know, covering the XFL in 2001 when McMahon ran it. Right. And, I mean, obviously you're a huge football guy. 
And I'm just wondering what you thought at the time of nicknames on name bars. And instead of the coin flip, they had the two guys kind of like wrestle over the football. Like, <laughs> was, was, was that too much for you, or what did you think? XFL. They tried. Vince McMahon tried uh, to appeal to his wrestling audience instead of appealing to a football audience. And there were a lot of mistakes made. There were some innovations that the league uh, implemented that are still in use today. Like the sky cam was introduced in the XFL. A lot of the sideline access and all that was introduced in the original XFL. And that, you know, that became the standard for every football broadcast. Um, and the, the rep cams, everything else, like you see in the CFL and the referees' hats. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff, were, you know, was the, the original league. They messed up with the football. The foot, you know, they rushed out the product. Um, they tried to appeal to a certain demographic, and it failed. And it failed with good reason. You know, it wasn't so. Um, the recent XFL had, you know, they might have been related in name, but it wasn't related in quality whatsoever. Uh, anyone who caught the recent XFL will see how well they did ratings-wise, how well they did um, as far as fanfare, and how many positive reviews the actual football got. They got, they got, for the first year league, they did a tremendous job, and they got the full. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. important element which the original league didn't do okay all right mike well this is an interesting story to follow and and uh you know i'm, I'm actually optimistic I, I know change is uh change is hard but who knows right it's never been tried before so they they, they got to try it now uh, i'll ask you one more uh favorite american team from the 1990 cfl venture <laughs> baltimore stallions very easily there. well they are actually you know, a real team Unlike the yeah. other ones. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so, I mean, with, Jim Pop is tremendous, did a tremendous job. Um, one of the best resumes any executive slash head coach. Um, and obviously did a great job with Baltimore. Baltimore is a fascinating case study. Um, just the way that all turned out. Um, the return of the Ravens can be largely attributed to the Stallions. And so even though the expansion into the States, I guess you can label it a failure, it was some really good games and teams involved and players uh, in that run. And Baltimore was kind of a shining element to that, I guess, failed experiment, if you want to call it that. But um, that was fun era in CFL football. There were some really quality games and teams involved there. And obviously Baltimore was one of them. And they tried to fill the void of the Colts who had bailed from Baltimore way back when. And, uh, you know, there were issues with that as well. But I, I would think that era was fun. Uh, in the 90s, um, yeah. quite an experiment they tried to pull off. In hindsight, there was that Baltimore franchise was a pretty strong one. Um, all things considered, I think they had the greatest first year ever of any expansion team in any league. Um, well, they had won 15 games that year, I believe, thereabouts. So um, it was pretty impressive what they pulled off, it's all things considered. My favorite trivia question of all time, well, one of them. Uh, the 1994 Las Vegas Posse. Where did they play their final home game? Do you know this one? Oh, no, they didn't. Oh, this one's escaping me. I'm, I'm pretty sure it wasn't. It wasn't at their normal stadium. No, it was um, here, baby. It was Edmonton. 
they moved yeah. it here because no one was going in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> That's just funny. That yeah, I know they weren't at their regular uh, location. I know that for sure. I just didn't remember which part of Canada they played in. Um, yeah, they were supposed to play Edmonton, so they, they just came up here and uh, we got a 10th home game. <laughs> Beat them 51-10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was fitting that it ended that way, come to think of it, uh, for the posse there. But, um, yeah. And uh, they weren't as successful as Baltimore, obviously. Um, no. So no one did. So, so Mike, it's fitting that with that franchise, it ended that way. Mike, thanks for doing this, man. I uh, really appreciate your perspective. I'm sure we're going to have the opportunity to talk again, but we really appreciate the update. Yeah, no problem. Thank you very much for having me on. That is Mike Mitchell on Inside Sports tonight. Uh, get him at by Mike Mitchell on Twitter. A lot of good material there. Really interesting perspective on the talks between the XFL and uh, the CFL. We're going to take a quick timeout. Inside Sports on Chet. with a late push but they cannot tie it up the Devils win 4-3 in Philly after two now Chicago up 3-1 on Florida also after two periods Predators with a 2-0 lead on the Red Wings about halfway through the second period the Lightning have tied it in Dallas it's 1-1 and starting at about 10 minutes the Avalanche take on the Coyotes well quite an interesting last uh, day and a half for the Oilers had their game uh, yesterday postponed about what were we down to? Uh, less than an hour before the drop of the puck. And then uh, about four this afternoon, Mountain Time, we found out no game tomorrow, no game Friday against the uh, Montreal Canadiens. The Canadiens also will uh, have their game on Sunday against Ottawa postponed. So the Oilers' next game at the moment, and I, and I say at the moment because, uh, you know, Bob and I were speculating, maybe they try to get the Oilers a game likely in ottawa I, I i would think on uh on thursday ottawa is scheduled to play calgary tomorrow and then toronto on thursday maybe they can have the battle of ontario made up at a later date not a lot of travel for those two teams if they got to stick that game in somewhere and then when uh, edmonton goes to ottawa and montreal the second week of april then maybe that could be switched around so they play the canadians twice in ottawa just once just something to keep in mind here but obviously i think we would know something later tonight or uh, or tomorrow morning but at the moment the Oilers' next game is saturday thanks to dave campbell the producer of inside sports thanks to kellen kennedy your studio producer this evening bob has Oilers now from noon to two tomorrow i'll have inside sports at six take care 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.